welcome to the Wednesday night Bible study hosted by the Boonville Church of Christ. We're so thankful that you've decided to join us this evening as we study God's Word. Guy, we got two weeks left, two weeks of online Wednesday night, and then Lord willing we will uh, come back together and do some classes here in the auditorium for the, all the adults. I know, man, you have discussed it. We're very excited to be able to teach to actual people. <laughs> that really excites me, and, I, and I'm looking forward to that. But since we only have two weeks left, we have... Uh, before we can maybe tie, tie it with a bow and finish it up, mm -hmm. and me and Guy discussed it, we feel like chapter 8 this week and chapter 7 next week would probably work out a little better. So this week, we're going to study chapter 8, uh, which is about temptation. But first of all, thank you for covering for me last week. You did a fantastic job. You, um, I know the week before that, when I was covering for you, I continuously wanted to look to my left, but you <laughs> wasn't there. So but I'm so thankful to be back here with you. I missed you uh, last week. Uh, we, we, we missed studying with one another, but this week we are back together, and Lord willing, we will continue our study in the book, Love More, sin less. But before we get any further, I'd like to start us off with a word of prayer. Be bow with me. Father, we're so very thankful for the day that you've blessed us with, for the health and the ability to gather together and to study your word, Father. We pray, Lord, as we open up your word, we will take what it says, apply it to our lives, Father, become better Christians, better examples throughout our communities. We pray, Lord, that we may imitate your precious son, Lord. Lord, we pray that for those who may be hurting, those who are dealing with sickness, all those that are dealing with the pandemic, Father, we pray that you would just bless this country and bless this world, Father, with health. We pray, Lord, that you'll go with us through the rest of this Bible study this evening and through the rest of our lives, Father. We are so sorry that we fall so short of what you deserve. We pray that you would please forgive us, Father. We love you. We pray all these things in your Son's name. Amen. Like I said, this week we are studying temptation. Last week, Brother Guy talked about salvation and did a wonderful job and talked about the different steps of, of the God's plan of the, of the gospel, of obeying the gospel. And wouldn't it be nice, Guy, if that's where our Christianity ended? And temptation ended. And temptation ended. But it's not. My dad used to tell me, he'd say, Son, if the devil's not trying to get you, then he's already got you. So even though you obey the gospel, unfortunately, that's just the beginning. That's when the work starts. But it's not a work like we're going to our different jobs. It's, it should be a labor of love as we try to serve our Heavenly Father. But Brother Johnson calls temptation, or he says, love measured or temptation. So in other words, we can measure how much we love God by the way we react to temptation. The definition of temptation the thing or course of action that attracts or tempts. This week, Brother Aubrey Johnson challenges us to look at temptation as a gift. I'm not going to lie to you guys, I've never looked at temptation as a gift. Uh, I think of a lot of different things when I think of gifts, uh, but temptation is not one of them. But to start with, he asks us that, or tells us that we should celebrate temptation. And Bo, you said that this topic that I'm beginning with tonight is not one I 
often think about. The phrase celebrate temptation is not something that comes to my mind often. But it is a biblical mindset, and it's one we should all have. Uh, you know, oftentimes children, they don't appreciate the idea of chores and bedtimes and curfews until much later in life when they're mature adults and they can understand the discipline and structure that was provided and instilled into them at an early age. And that discipline and structure has helped make them productive citizens. The author of the book uh, encourages us to look at temptation tonight as one of life's best gifts, as you mentioned, Bo. Uh, this is difficult for me, and which is why this study was uh, so fruitful for me, and I'm sure it has been for you, and I hope it is to the people listening tonight. Uh, when, I, when I think of a gift, I've been struggle, struggling, Bo, putting this year in my golf game. Now, you never have that problem. You put Bo Gross inside 20 feet, and you might as well pick it up. But when I think of a gift, I think of like an Odyssey putter, a new Odyssey putter that guarantees I'm making putts, uh, something I can use for enjoyment. But how in the world can we use temptation to better ourselves? Well, I think we've got to turn to God's Word to find that answer. If you have your Bibles with you at home tonight, please open them to the book of James. I'm sure in a moment Bo is going to continue in talking in the book of James. But look there in chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. It says, My brethren, count it all joys when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Now, we, or most of us, prefer things to go smoothly. We like to stay within our comfort zones. When I was typing this up early this morning, I got tickled when I looked at my desk calendar and I noticed for the next two weeks the 30-minute increments of meetings and webinars and trainings that had to take place, and I fully expect those things to go off as planned. I think a lot of us are wired that way. I think when we struggle, oftentimes is when there's turmoil, when there's disruption. You know, the unexpected loss of a, loss of a loved one, of this pandemic that we've all been experiencing since March, that has disrupted so many lives and cost people their jobs. The out of the blue, tough medical diagnosis. It's during these times that the Bible tells us to count it all joy. Why? Because we're not receiving a shiny trinket like a diamond ring. We're not getting a new bike or a pony. No, but what we're receiving is much different. During these times, we're receiving a spiritual gift if we're a faithful Christian. You know, overcoming trials and temptations provides us with many spiritual gifts. One of those is self-awareness, and Bo, you're going to tell us now how vital this gift of self-awareness is. Temptation as a gift of self-awareness. How many times throughout the different chapters, God, we talked about honesty, and not only honesty, but being honest with ourselves. And one of the things that temptation does, it puts a spotlight on us. Mm -hmm. Back when I was a kid, during deer season, we, we, were, we were bad to get the spotlight out. 
Now, I can honestly say I never <laughs> did anything illegal with it, but we would go to the areas we were hunting, so we would spotlight the fields and to try to see what kind of deer was available. Well, temptation, it too can be a spotlight. It can make us aware of what is going on inside of us. To continue with James chapter 1, verses 14 through 16, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, dear brothers and sisters. See, temptation, it has no authority over us, but it does make us aware of what we are considering and contemplating. Becoming, of our, becoming aware of our desires allows us to avoid the situations that tempt us to make those unloving decisions. When we're honest with ourselves, when we look at ourselves, how do we react to those temptations? If you're struggling with something, guy, stay away from it. Mm -hmm. Run from the very appearance of evil. I also want to think about temptation making us self-aware. Uh, Brother Johnson makes the comparison to a biopsy. See, doctors use a biopsy to identify the physical issues with the body. Uh, temptation can be used as a spiritual biopsy, helping us to identify the desires of the heart. You see, evil not only resides on the outside, mm -hmm. but also the inside of our bodies. Just like James said, those evils are inside. So when we pray to God to protect us from evil, do we realize that sometimes that evil is within. Also, when I think about temptation helping us to be self-aware, Brother Johnson says it's like a time machine. Guy, I'm a little bit older than you, but in 1985 there was a popular movie called Back to the Future. And Michael J. Fox was going back and forth in the future and during this series of movies getting himself in all kinds of trouble. And it's something we all kind of dreamed about being able to do because I can look at my own life and what I would be, do to be able to go back and make some different decisions in my life. You see, the way of escape from temptation is often realizing the consequences of the future. Psalms, the book of Psalms, many times it, it reads, Lord, forgive me for the sins of my youth. Because, see, when we're young, we don't have that experience. We have a problem identifying that these decisions that we make, these unloving choices, they have consequences. As we grow in spiritual maturity, we realize that the fact that it simply isn't worth it. When I think about the prisons, whether it be local or the state parchment, if you could do an honest poll of those criminals and ask them, whatever bad decisions you made, those temptations of stealing or murder or whatever terrible thing that they've done, was it worth it? I bet the honest answer would be absolutely not. It's the same way when we deal with temptation. We have to be able to look forward. What are the consequences of my choices? In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, uh, verse 13 is a verse we're very familiar with. But in the first 12 verses of that chapter, what Paul's telling the church at Corinth, look at your ancestors. Look at, the, at, at your great-grandfathers and the Israelites. Look at their, their decisions that they made. They had consequences. It cost many of them their life. Thousands of people die because they turned their back on God because of worldly temptation. And then in verse 13 we read, 
No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you're tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can handle or you can endure it. So as we look to the consequences, look to the future when we deal with temptations, what are we looking at? Are we being tempted are we, with those sinful actions? Or are we looking the other direction to, to see that avenue of escape? That God here, he promises, promises us that he is going to provide an avenue of escape. So this evening I ask us, what are we looking for? Uh, when we look at that temptation, are we looking for that way out? Then you get into the gift of spiritual growth, which I think you have, guy. And Bo, I hope we all have the attitude, whether we're 10, 20, or 90, I hope we understand God expects us to grow spiritually on a daily basis. We're not done. We are never done. The Apostle Paul talks about that. Yes. We're not yet there. Uh, and as we continue the study into temptation, I think we need to remember this. Because the question is not whether one will experience temptation, but what will one do when it arrives? Our study book here tells us alertness is the first step in dealing with spiritual testing, and the second step is choosing the right response. Uh, Monday, I had to take a FERPA test. That's the Family Educational Rights and Privacy Act. It's, it's kind of the educator's HIPAA law. And it was a test of my knowledge as a school administrator on what information I can and cannot share about students and who I can and cannot share it with. Uh, and it was one of those, we've all taken them, it was one of those tricky tests. But, but guess what? Life is full of tricky tests. And for me to receive the proper certification I needed, I had to score 80% or higher on this test. And that got me to thinking about the test of temptation in our lives. What's your score? What's your percentage of right responses when you face temptation? Are you keeping score? Oftentimes the convenient response is not always the correct response. You see, temptation literally confronts the Christian with a choice. And it requires us as Christians to stretch ourselves to become better and holier. James declared that God is the giver of every good and perfect gift. And one of those gifts God gave all humans his free will. And Aubrey Johnson tells us in this book, Love More, Sin Less, that free will implies the possession of three special skills. The first of those is the ability to recall the results of past choices. Now, Bo, once upon a time, and I assume possibly like you, I was an immature junior high boy. And I had a group of friends just like me. And one afternoon, we were at a friend's house uh, who had a bunch of cows in a pasture surrounded by an electric fence. And we decided simultaneously to grab hold of that electric fence. You see, even an immature junior high boy has the choice of free will. But I'll tell you, Bo, since that day, it has never entered my mind again to grab hold of an electric fence. I have the ability to recall past choices, and that's a special skill. Now, 
we have to use this special skill when temptation has won at other times in our lives and has caused us pain and has done damage to our lives and to those we love. We have to use this special skill. The second skill is the ability to predict the consequences of future choices. Going along with the first point, if we've made a decision to give in to temptation in the past, we already know the consequences of that choice got us. So we're, a, we're then able to use that information to predict future outcomes of similar choices. And then the third, I think, is the most important um, of the special skills in free will. We all have the ability to act by making present choices by making choices in the here and now. You know, one of the greatest gifts of free will is we are in control of our own actions. I can only control what I can control. It does me no good to let others' words and actions upset me all day long. I can't control anyone else. Uh, I'm the only person responsible for the words that come out of my mouth, but I am responsible for them. And I am the only re person responsible for my deeds and my actions. And I think this is why it is so very important that we control what we put into our hearts and put into our minds. We have to be willing as adults to take criticism and sometimes unfair judgment. We've got to stop looking for ways to get angry. You know, both children throw pity parties. They do. They, and and you'll hear them sometimes. I'll hear my two sometimes. They'll talk about how everyone is treating them unfairly. Well, they do this because they're children. We have to teach them differently. Adults are supposed to take responsibility for their actions and look for productive solutions. Uh, and we've got to model this behavior for our children as parents and grandparents because it's in short supply right now. Christian men and women must be living examples of maturity and accountability with our choices and our words. We've got to be careful as Christians. We cannot allow our hearts to be filled with resentment and seek revenge and retribution. That is the way of the world, not the way of the Bible. We know vengeance belongs to the Lord. We cannot be an inconsiderate group of people. You know, inconsiderate people, they don't think deeply. And they're much more likely to behave selfishly and speak foolishly. And Bo, the root of all of this is found where all other sin originates. It's a lack of love. When a person lack lacks love for others, then it's hard for he or she to see the blind spots in their own lives. And a lack of love causes us sometimes to be insensitive and ungrateful, and it oftentimes does unintended damage. We gotta remember, Christ died not only to redeem mankind from sin, but also to remove feelings of hopelessness that keeps us from feeling like we can't exercise control over our lives. As the author of her book points out, temptation is neither mightier than Christ, nor stronger than the Holy Spirit. So that means to us, temptation is not greater than the person who is spirit-filled and Christ-led. Remember 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. 
For God has given us the spirit of fear. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. We cannot be afraid to display these attributes. And by doing so, Bo, we will have glorified God. And that's another gift of temptation. It gives us the opportunity to glorify God. God, I know the answer for you, but have you ever been asked to perform or speak at some special occasion? I know we've both spoke a few times here at the congregation, um, whether it be at weddings we, or funerals. We've, I've been asked to sing at a few of those. <laughs> but we've both... When they ask us to do that, they're asking us because they want our abilities or what little talent I have to, to add something to the occasion. It's an honor to try to add to an event. Well, as we look at our everyday lives, we live in the presence of our God. We live in the presence of His Son and His Spirit. And every day we have the occasion, the opportunity as we deal with temptation, to glorify God. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now, we've all seen movies or cartoons or situations or, uh, on TV where they ask this man sitting on this mountain, what is the meaning of life? Well, all they have to do is get their Bibles out. <laughs> This is the meaning of life. We are created in, by God's handiwork to do good works for Him, to glorify Him. When we triumph over temptation, through God's power and help, we glorify our Creator. And I want to emphasize here, as we have these triumphs over temptation, it's not out of our own doing. It's God's power. It's God's help. That's how we're able to overcome temptation. It's the resources which we will talk about more next week that God gives to us to help us to overcome the devil and all the wiles he throws at us. Matthew five twelve says, Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. Now, to be honest with you, God, today was not a great day for me. It, 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 I don't want to feel, have a pity party like you just <laughs> talked about, but it was not a great day. Uh, he's, God has blessed me, but got some things going on with my dad, and work was not great today. But as I look at Matthew five twelve, it does not matter what kind of day you have here on this earth. It does not matter what kind of bad news you may get. As Christians, we can still rejoice and be glad because we have a great reward in heaven waiting on us. Also, temptation. It has it has the ability to fashion our future. That's right, Bo. God has enabled us each to choose our own path. And you mentioned experience earlier, and that is nothing more than the accumulation of our past choices. What are we going to do with them? And Bo, of all of Earth's inhabitants, Christians are in the best, best position to make the healthiest choices. We have every possible resource available to us. Uh, number one, we have the Bible as our map. Uh, we have the church to correct and encourage us. We have prayer to sustain us. We have worship. We have time to fellowship with the brethren. We have faith. We have hope. This should influence our thinking and our decision making. 
We know what's waiting on us. And we have love on a heavenly scale. We have the best environment for success, but sometimes we've got to get out of our own way. If we'll make it our mission to love more and to love better, we can find the greatest joy possible on this side of heaven. Brother Johnson asks us today, or challenges us, to look at temptation as a gift. And, it, and looking at the study, we can look at it as a gift to make us more self-aware, to help us with our spiritual growth and the things we've talked about. But the greatest gift ever given is when our Heavenly Father gave His precious Son. And that forgiveness that we have through His sacrifice that is the greatest gift of all time. The question for all of us this evening is either will we accept this precious gift? Because although it's not a gift that we deserve, we still have to accept it. I remember on Christmas, uh, Christmas Eve every year, one of our favorite traditions, we go to the Martin's house. And Brother Billy and Denise, I guess they feel sorry for me because they'll give me a gift. <laughs> I don't deserve the gift, but they'll give me one. And I didn't pay for this gift. I don't deserve this gift. But for me to be able to have the contents of that package, I still have to accept it. It's the same way with God's forgiveness. We don't pay for it. We don't earn it. But we still have to go through those steps, those necessary steps, to accept that gift. And maybe a question, another question for us this evening. If we have received this gift, if we have obeyed God's plan of salvation, how often are we sharing it with others? If for some miraculous way tonight I had the cure to the coronavirus in my back pocket, I had a vaccine, I had the cure, do you think I would keep it to myself? I think I would go out in the street and share it with everybody I could come in contact with. And yet we as Christians have the gospel sitting in our fingertips. We have God's word on every device that we have. How often do we share that precious gift with others? This evening, we talked about temptation being a gift. How it helps us to be self-aware, to grow spiritually, uh, gives us the opportunity to glorify God, helps us to shape our future, and we understand that it is a gift. And we understand that God has given us the greatest gift. Anything else that we need to add to that tonight, Brother Guy, other than announcements and maybe a closing prayer? Uh, no, I do have a few announcements. I yeah. want to read uh, the guidelines and procedures for reopening Bible classes in the bulletin this week. And I know some of you get that via email and some don't. So I'll just go ahead and read it to you tonight. Uh, if I can squint and see it on my phone screen. It says, Bible classes will resume on Wednesday night, August 5th, barring any complications or concerns. Sunday Bible classes will resume on September 13th at 5 in the evening. There will be no nursery class. Bible classes will be available for toddlers through college age. Additionally, there will be one adult class in the auditorium for both Sunday and Wednesday, and these will be taught by Brother Forrest. And we're looking forward to this week being this That's first right. official Sunday where Brother Forrest were, and, and Sister Anita, we're so glad to have you. Look forward to this Sunday for your first sermon here. Yes, sir. And there will be no general assembly in the auditorium before class. Uh, 
Students and teachers will go straight to classes and classes will be 45 minutes in length. Uh, teachers will require and monitor social distancing practices in classes and hand sanitizers will be used. The classroom uh, will be sanitized after each class session. Masks will not be required for students and are optional for the teacher. Each student will have his or her own individual classroom supplies in further, uh, to further ensure safety. Parents, please adhere to the following to make this effort as safe as possible during this challenging time. Parents will be released early from the adult class to pick up children. Parents are asked to wear masks when dropping off and picking up children. Parents are asked to maintain social distancing and limit congestion in hallways when dropping off and picking up children. Parents, please keep your children home if they are sick or have been exposed to sickness. Please don't take this request as rude or uncaring. We feel that we must be cautious. And finally, please know, church family, that these efforts are meant to keep everyone safe. However, at the same time, the most important safety procedure we can do uh, is to once again begin Bible classes because spiritual health is our top priority. Thank you for helping us make this happen. We understand that there are those who are not yet comfortable with coming back to formal assemblies and classes. We fully understand and want you to know the Bible class resources will continue to be provided on the ch church webpage. Please download and use them. Uh, Bo, we also have an announcement that it's a boy. Congratulations to Stan and Wilda Pounds on the birth of their first grandson, Mackenzie Lee Walden, was born to Jason and Sarah. Uh, the proud great-grandparents are Billy and Julius Lee Wells. Uh, we also want to make sure that we keep uh, Pat Green in our prayers, and uh, Bo already mentioned it, but we do want to give a warm welcome to Brother Ken and Anita Foster this week, as this will be his first week from the pulpit with us. Anything else, Bo? Thank you, Jeremy. Appreciate you all you do. Yes, sir. Thank you, Jeremy Jones. And Bo, I'll close us with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for all the blessings of life. We thank you for uh, the health you've blessed us with, and God, we want to pray for all those that are sick. God, please be with uh, Pat Green. Help her through. Uh, help her through this time of sickness. God, we ask that you please be with uh, Brother Ken and Anita as they come, as he comes to be our preacher. Please help us wrap our arms around him and his family and Miss Anita, and show them a warm welcome and just. Bless his work here at the Boonville Church of Christ. God, please forgive us where we failed you. And just please help us each and every day become better and stronger Christians and a better and stronger church. We love you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.